Pray with me. Heavenly Father, every one of us at some point in our lives has asked you why. We've wondered why. Like Job wondered why. Like Habakkuk wondered why. Why, Lord, do the evil prosper and the good suffer? Why, Lord, do people harm other people? Why, Lord, do we go through roller coaster rides on our lives? But, Lord, I thank you that we have the answer in your word, in your story. The answer is your love. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful music that reminds us of a great truth. We are blessed by the assurance that we have that we will see your face. We are grateful, Lord, as we look back at all that you have done. And, oh, Father, we say with Jeremiah, great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me, unto us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's just good music. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Great, great morning. Great to be in the Lord's house. How is your memory? Just wondering. I know we're aware of one of our problems with with memory, but I think we've forgotten the other problem we have with memory. The one problem is simple. We just don't remember things. We forget appointments. We forget names of people. It bothers us, doesn't it? Some people have gone to extreme measures to overcome it. One man went to a, a memory clinic and he came out and was talking with one of his good friends. The two couples were together and his friend said, so how was that memory clinic? He said, it was amazing. I mean, they taught us all the psychological tricks of remembering things, uh, visualization, association with other things. He said, what was the name of that memory clinic? And And the man said, and he thought for a moment, and then he smiled and he said, what's the name of that flower that has the long stem and the thorns on it? And the man said, you mean a rose? He said, that's it. Hey, Rose, what was the name of that (laughs) clinic that I went to? It sounds like it was working for him, sort of. Yeah, that's one problem we have with memory. But I'll tell you, the other problem we have with memory is we sometimes can't forget. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Psychologists have done an amazing study of a lady in California who can remember like, like a movie reel all the events of the last 30 years of her life. You, you, you say a date, she can tell you what the weather was like that day, what was going on in the world, and what happened in her life. And they've tried to figure out why, and somebody said to her, this is such an amazing gift. She said, no, it would be a gift if I could heal people. It's not a gift because I can remember the end of every relationship. So is that a blessing or is that a curse? And sometimes, sometimes we want to remember and we certainly want to be remembered, but there is a gift from God of being able to forget. And where would God get a gift like that? Well, he has the ability not only to forgive our sins, but to forget them. Let me show you an amazing story in the book of Genesis chapter 41. A young man who wanted to forget and God granted the desire of his heart. Genesis chapter 41. Let's stand together as we read God's word together today. I want to start reading in verse 46 if I may. Let's share the word of God together. Joseph was 30 years old. 
when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It's because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Thank you. You may be seated. Does this story sound vaguely familiar to you? Remember, we left Joseph last week. He was back in prison because he had done the right thing. He had resisted temptation. They throw him back in prison. But once again, he rises to the top of prison. He's in charge of the prison. And there comes a moment when, uh, when two people are thrown in prison, two of Pharaoh's high officials, the chief cupbearer, we would say the butler, and the baker. And they're both thrown into prison and they have a dream the same night and they don't know how to interpret the dream, but they're very troubled. And Joseph says, God is the one who gives dreams and God alone can interpret dreams. Tell me your dreams. They did. He said, you're going to live, you're going to die. And he turns to the one who's going to live and says, and don't forget me. Do not forget me. When you get up there back with Pharaoh, you remember me. And one of the saddest verses, I think, in our story so far is in chapter 40, verse 23, where we read that the cupbearer is restored, the butler, he gets back into to power, and it says, but he forgot Joseph. It would be easy for Joseph to feel forgotten at this point. If you think about it, uh, his mother has died, his father thinks he's dead, his brothers have betrayed him. He um, has risen to the top of a household and then been thrown into prison. He's risen to the top of prison, and uh, there he is still forgotten. But remember this. Don't forget this. God did not forget Joseph. And even better news, Joseph did not forget God. Have you heard a story like this before? Does this sound familiar? A suffering servant is exalted to the position of king so that he can save all the people in the world. How do I know God has not forgotten me? You say, Pastor, because of this problem or this circumstance or this difficulty or this crisis in my life, I can't forget my pain and I can't help but feel that somehow God has forgotten me. How do we know that God has not forgotten us? Because there once was a suffering servant who was exalted to the position of king so that he might save all people, including you and including me. And believe me when I say that Jesus Christ did not leave heaven and come down to this earth and die on a cross and rise again so that you and I could perpetually play the role of victim. That we would live our lives saying, it's all bad for me, like Tevi and Fiddler on the Roof. It's all bad. Nothing is good. No, 
No, God has more for us than that, even if we can't see it in the daily circumstances. In the great drama of the ages, the script says that we win in the end. And I see that confidence in Joseph's life and particularly in the names that he gives to his two sons. I forget is the name of the first son. That would be problematic at school, I think. What's your name? I forget. No, really. I, I forget. And the second, I am fruitful. You, do you know what it means that our unforgettable God has not forgotten us. It means that we can forget our pain and the slights of people and the mistreatment and the abuse of our family and the struggles of our lives, the mistakes that we've made. We really can forget. He names that first child Manasseh, the Hebrew Nassau, I forget. And what he says is, I named him that because God has enabled me to forget. And and Joseph is able to forget. And you will be able to forget if you remember this, that God has not forgotten you. So you must not forget him. You want to see it in chapter 41. Let me just just highlight it for you there. Just in in a few verses there. Just notice with me in verse 16. When he says, I can't interpret dreams. This is after they shave him and clean him up and bring him up in front of Pharaoh. And he says, I can't interpret dreams. But God can. And he gives glory to God. And then he says in verse 28, it's just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown you what he's about to do. So he gives God glory in verse 32. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God. And God will do. God will do it soon. And then finally, you see in in verse 38 that when Pharaoh's looking for a leader to enact the plan, the food distribution plan, he says, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Anybody surprised that when he names his kids? This is unheard of. A prisoner marries into nobility has two sons. He's lavishly wealthy. He's got everything. He's gone from the prison to the palace. He's the prime minister of all of Egypt. And he has a wife and he has kids. And somehow in the midst of that, it brings him great comfort. I'm saying you can forget. You can forget the past. Remember when you dropped the ball? Noble Doss remembers when he dropped the ball. Noble Doss, anybody know the story? 1941, University of Texas. He's... uh, they're up seven to nothing. If they win the game, they're going to go to the Rose Bowl and play in the national championship. The ball is thrown to him. The only thing between him and the end zone is 20 yards of grass. But he dropped the ball. And some other team they were playing, I can't remember, I think they were in Waco, but I, I, it, it escapes me. But this other team <laughs> then scores, ties the game, and Texas doesn't win the national championship. Listen, Noble Doss went on to be married for 60 years, to have children, grandchildren. He fought in World War II. He, he won two football national championships at the pro level. But he says, I think about that pass every day. I dropped the ball. And some of you know exactly what he's talking about. Because you can look at all the things that have happened in your life, but there's one single event back there. Maybe something you did, or maybe something somebody else did, 
And there you are, and you cannot let it go. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark to seize the prize of the upward high calling that I have in Jesus Christ. We really can forget the past. We can forget our achievements. We can forget our failures. We can forget the balls that we have dropped. We can forget everything in our lives in view of the truth that our past is not our future. Do you believe me when I say that? Louise Fletcher Tarkington said, how I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all our poor, selfish griefs could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door, never to be put on again. Genesis 41 tells us, Joseph found that place, a new beginning, a new start. He's able to forget. He's even, it says, look closely at verse 51. Not only does he forget his troubles, that's how he describes this malaise that has been his life. But he says, I'm able to forget my father's household. I had to wrestle with that this week. Maybe you do as well. I don't think he wanted to forget that he once lived in his father's household. I think he wants to forget that that has been taken away. The burden of that loss is so great that he says, God has even taken away that pain. How did God do it? Well, God gave him a family. God gives him a wife and two children. It's not unlike his his, uh, great-grandfather or his grandfather Isaac, who, when his mother Sarah dies, finds comfort in his wife Rebecca, having a family, a new generation, now a fifth generation of the Abraham family. Children are born. This is a reminder that life goes on. Somebody has said a baby is God's opinion that life must go on. And sometimes if you study your family tree, as I have, you you discover that in the same year that some powerful, prominent figure in our family history died, on that same day sometimes, in that same month, in that same year, a child is born and life ends and life begins again. Manasseh, God has enabled me to forget. Not to forget that I I had a family, but to forget the pain of losing that family. And I would simply caution you at this point that there's a danger in cutting off. In fact, if you study your family, what you'll discover is there are times when this or that relative was isolated from the family just to sort of quarantine that person's problem from the rest of the family. But the amazing thing is that will impact the family and generations to come. You'll be having a conversation about some uncle who's unspeakable and the kids will walk in and you'll suddenly grow silent and you think they won't notice but they do. In fact, our families are units and emotional systems. And in the middle of that, if we cut off from somebody, if we don't grieve well, if the pain of a divorce is not handled well, what happens is that emotional shock wave will keep going forward generation after generation. I talked with you about dealing with death. I think we have to, to get a grip on our grief as it comes in various forms Stillborn children, miscarriages, 
babies that die, divorces and broken relationships and problems in the family can't be just sort of pushed under the carpet. And the amazing story of Joseph's life is that God's at work. The the narrator of the story winks at us here because he's forgotten his family, but the truth is his family's about to come to him. They're about to come to him and all those early dreams he had about his brothers bowing down are about to be fulfilled and God is up to something if he can see it, if we can see it. You know who I thought about this week when I read this story? Is it Elizabeth Smart? Was that her name? The young girl who was abducted from her home in Utah? A more recent story, even sort of more tragic, the J.C. Dugard story. And we think about children that are abducted and taken. In, in, in Christian history, the story of St. Patrick is very like that. He's, he's kidnapped and taken over to Ireland and made into a, a shepherd there. And there's this sense in which those people must have wondered, does anybody out there remember me? Is my family even looking for me? Of course they were looking. Of course there's a dramatic search going on, but Joseph... Joseph doesn't know, and these girls that I mentioned, they don't know. St. Patrick doesn't know that their family misses them tremendously. I I was watching uh, um, this little movie um, with with Fievel in it, The Little Mouse, um, an American tale with our dog. My TV habits have changed so much, and I was, you know, because I just love American tales. I tell you what, um, uh, graphics have come a long way since an American tale. But anyway, I was just sort of watching this movie and Fievel, who gets separated from his family, sort of gets washed overboard on the ship as they come to America. And there's this sense in which at one point he says, my family isn't looking for me. Why should I look for my family? But the theme song sort of carries it somewhere out there beneath the pale moonlight. Someone is thinking of me and loving me tonight. For Joseph, that someone was God. God was remembering him. And because God remembered him, he was able to forget. And because God remembers you, you can forget. You can put the past in the past by the grace of God. And then notice the second name of his son. It's there, isn't it, in in verse 52 The second son is named Ephraim. It means doubly fruitful, twice blessed. I've got not just one son, but a second son. And God has smiled on me. And he's rejoicing in this son that God has given to him. And it's just a reminder to us, like Joseph, even when we're in pain, we can still bear fruit in the midst of that pain. We think when the the wing is broken that we will never fly as high again. But God has a different plan. God has a different story for us. We may remember some past slight or mistreatment by somebody. Look, many people would have given up on Joseph at this point. But God hasn't given up on Joseph because Joseph hasn't given up on God. And so the story goes forward and there's this real sense in which God's moving this, this forward. And this second son reminds him, I can be fruitful even in my suffering. Dare I say this morning that I have lived a marvelously um, 
charmed life. I mean, I live my dream every day. I'm married to the woman I dreamed I would marry someday. God has given me wonderful children, and I get to serve in this amazing church. And yet, the best lessons of my life came through the hardest experiences of my life. Anybody else feel that way? I would not trade the four or five worst things that ever happened to me for all the other good things because it's in those things. Who would think when the brothers are selling Joseph into slavery that someday not only is he going to live, but because of him, they're going to live. The ones who tried to kill him get the food they need to live because God works through the bad that they did. Not, not that they should have done what they did, but that God found a way to redeem that. You know what this means? It means you haven't wrecked your life. At one level, it means you can't wreck your life because God will superintend and work and he will bring good things out of the bad. Nobody else can do that. But believe me when I say, our God can. And the story of Ephraim is that we can bear fruit. So he has the fruit of a family. And I would just say to you, celebrate family. We've had everybody home this weekend. And it's just marvelous. I saw a, a survey by the Associated Press and MTV where they asked kids 13 to 24, what in the world brings you the most happiness? I know you're thinking Facebook, but it's not. What they said is spending time with family. You say, yeah, but not in our family. No, in your family too. What brings kids happiness, even more than their friends. Turns out also that 60% of kids say that their parents are their heroes 29% say their moms, 21% say their dads. We came in second, guys. That's understandable. But the truth is our kids, they find happiness in relationship with us. And we ought to celebrate that, that God restores, that God heals, that God gives us a new beginning. But Joseph is not just fruitful there. This is what I want you to see. And you look in verses 47 to 49, and you see that that God answers prayer, that, that he multiplies the amount of food for the people and it blesses Joseph and his family. They're living well. But it will bless Joseph's extended family of his brothers and his dad and they will come safely to Egypt at some point. And it blesses, listen to this, all the peoples of the earth come to Egypt for food. This fulfills the prediction that God makes to Abraham earlier in the story where he says all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. How does that happen? Well, it happens through Joseph. He feeds everybody in the world. Now, where would Joseph learn to be in the food distribution business? I mean, how is he qualified to be this? I mean, isn't this the Peter principle at its worst? Pharaoh's going to take a prisoner and put him in charge of the world. But listen to this. He learned when he was um, serving as a servant in the house of Potiphar. He learned while he was living in prison. It's in those bad experiences that God produces the character in Joseph that enables him to be useful to God at this strategic moment in his life. And I love this story because it shows us that we can be fruitful even in the midst of our suffering, but the blessings of God in our lives are not for us alone. Therefore, Everybody, for all people. So God exalts a suffering servant to the position of king so that he might save all the peoples. Is it just me or does this, does this sound familiar? Does this sound like a, a story we've heard before? 
Joe Bailey is one of my favorite poets. It wasn't until this week that I, under, I understood how, why I like his poems so much. I read this week that not once or twice, but three times he lost a son. Three different sons, different ways, for different reasons. He lost a son three times. And one day, on a very cold winter morning in Indiana, he made his way out to his mailbox and looked through the letters, just suffering of the grief of losing a five-year-old son to leukemia. And he found a catalog, a burpee seed catalog. And on the front were beautiful zinnias. On the back were big tomatoes. And he stood there and he said, just for a moment, though the temperature was at zero, I was looking at planting. I was looking at the harvest. I was looking at the future, that it wouldn't always be winter, but a spring would come and we could plant, and a summer when we could harvest. And he said, I stood there for the longest time until the cold overwhelmed me, and I went inside and I realized this is the, the Christian story. We go through the winter But we've always got a catalog of seeds that we will someday plant so that God will make us fruitful. John Music asked me this this week, uh, um, what was your first sermon that you preached? In fact, John didn't ask me. Ryan Dennison asked me, what was your first sermon you preached? And I remembered a series that John preached on John 15 where it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. It will be done for you. And in that passage, we're reminded that if we abide in Christ, we will bear. John taught us this in three sermons on Sunday nights. We will bear much fruit. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to bear fruit. He put us here to bear fruit. And the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. And when you and I are faithful, we get the chance to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. And all of this because God has not forgotten us. It's there in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15, where we read, Can a mother forget the child that she has born? Even if she could, God says, I can never forget you because I have written you on my hands. I have engraved you on my hands. When I read that, I thought, when did God engrave us on his hands? Wasn't it when Jesus was on the cross that you and I were engraved on the hands of God so that He could never forget us. So whatever in this world you forget, do not forget this. You are unforgotten. God has not forgotten you. Please, do not forget Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your love and Your grace and Your mercy and your power. We are overwhelmed today by the richness of your love. Help us, I pray today, Lord, to receive you, to experience your saving power, to know you personally. We ask it in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.